Income inequality is a global issue with several causes, including high inflation, crises such as COVID-19, and the eroding value of the minimum wage. According to the International Labour Organization, over 630 million working people across the world are unable to earn enough to lift themselves and their families out of poverty. To put this into perspective, this accounts for nearly one-fifth of the global employed population, which highlights the widespread issue of inadequate wages. Therefore, today we would like to find out the following. Can the private sector, as a key player in the economy, influence wage levels and ensure fair compensation to their employees? And how can companies collaborate together to make sure employees across the supply chain are paid enough to have decent living standards? I'm Camilla Moorhead, and welcome to Sustainability Shift, a podcast brought to you by Clarit. For this discussion, I am joined by Daniel Von Whitehead, co-founder and chair of the Fair Wage Network. I'm also joined by Priya Agravel, Senior Sustainability Manager at Unilever, who will discuss the company's living wage initiative. Last but not least, my colleague Phyllis Forster, Manager Global Mobility Awards and Equal Pay at Clarit. She will touch base on the company's decision to sign Unilever's pledge. Daniel, welcome to the first segment of this episode. Thank you for joining us to discuss this important topic. Thank you. Nice to be here. As I mentioned before, you are the co-founder and chair of the Fair Wage Network. So before we start off, could you give me a brief overview of what your organization does? Yeah, sure. I mean, we, we set up this uh, organization 10 years ago, and uh, it was really to help companies to have uh, tools to improve their wage practices, or to have fair wage practices. And at that time, we were thinking about legal compliance, uh, the payment of minimum wage, overtime hours, but that was it. So there was no real tool to help companies to do more. You talk about data and tools to help companies improve their wage practices. So how does Fair Wage Network define and measure living wages, especially as it varies depending on regions? We define living wages on the basis of extensive fieldwork to capture living standards. And in fact, we carry out survey all the time, every day. So um, we have two types of surveys. One survey carried out among workers in factories, farms, in the different locations. And this allows us to capture what are the daily and also monthly expenditures of workers and their families, and also what they consume and in what quantities. These surveys are then combined with surveys carried out in local markets and local shops to capture the right prices of basic goods and, and services. So on the basis of these two types of surveys that we combine, we are able to know what are the living wage thresholds in different localities. And now we have living wage benchmarks in more than 3,500 uh, cities and individual regions. This brings me to the next question. Then what is the role of the private sector and what is a typical living wage journey for companies? The private sector can do a lot since uh, global supply chains today represent 80% of uh, total trade. And this is, in fact, the reason why international organizations, investors um, have made this call to the business community for the payment of a living wage because they know the private sector can do a lot. And what I would like to emphasize here is that this living wage journey is not that complex as it seems uh, if it's carried out through the right sequence of steps. Um, and it is important there I mean, to have some um, informational tools to help 
brands and their suppliers to better understand, to demystify a bit this uh, living wage uh, journey as a complex journey and also a very costly journey. We also think that there are important benefits out of this process. So it is important really to have this informational role. From what we can gather so far, we see that there is a close relationship between living wages and income equality. So how can a living wage contribute to reduce these income disparities? Yes, this is a good question because um, global inequalities are increasing all over the world. Uh, it was already an assessment made by the IMF before COVID-19 crisis. And they were saying that those global inequalities were bad, in fact, for economic growth. So um, clearly, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, exacerbated the existing inequalities. And it is really important to do something also with the, with the private sector. And here it's true that uh, living wage payments can really help reducing inequalities, first within a company, because it reduces a bit the gap between those highly paid and those confined in uh, lower paid, lower skilled uh, jobs. And like this, you can lift up all employees, at least at a living wage uh, level within uh, the companies. And then we really believe that to pay your living wage is also good to reduce inequalities across countries, because now you have really workers who are better off because they are, they are in a country where the minimum wage is adjusted on a regular basis. They enjoy from collective bargaining grounds. So there are wage institutions that help them to get high wages. But if you are a worker in a country where you don't have much adjustment of the living wage, take Bangladesh where minimum wages are increased every five years or a bit less, but clearly there, uh, the minimum wage is, is losing grounds with the reality of living cost of workers and their families. So it is really important to sort of impose the payment of a living wage in all countries so that all workers, even in those countries where you don't have much wage institutions, are somehow lifted out of poverty. And lastly, what role can government legislation play in promoting living wages and what are the potential policy approaches to address this issue? I think that now there are quite a lot of uh, good initiatives uh, from international organizations. The investors are also asking not only a commitment, but uh, to get involved in a methodology to uh, define living wages and to compare wages to the living wage. So those initiatives are really important because they put some pressure, of course, on the companies. There's also a number of national legislations coming out. Um, you also have recently the new text on the living wage um, on corporate sustainability uh, due diligence, uh, which was adopted um, early June by the European Parliament. And it's really something new because that text is asking companies to ensure uh, adequate standards of living in the value chain. So that means that the companies have really to move and they have to put in place a sort of monitoring process, um, a sort of uh, codes of conduct um, within which the payment of the living wage becomes a core element. And then they will have to make sure that uh, their suppliers indeed will pay a living wage. And beyond that, I would like to, to end with this. It's not only... Um, it's, on, it's not only the 
request to pay a living wage that they should do with their suppliers, but somehow they should adapt their purchasing practices because if they want suppliers to be in the optimal conditions to pay a living wage, clearly they will have to improve their purchasing practices. So ensure that the prices they're proposed to the suppliers would be enough to cover their production costs and to pay a living wage. And then also we know that there are a number of other purchasing practices that can have an impact on wages, like lead times, uh, technical specifications, uh, the support of companies in terms of auditing and so on. So all these measures will be important also from the lead firm side to help suppliers to pay a living wage. Thank you very much, Daniel, for your valuable insights. Thanks a lot. As we just saw with Daniel, the private sector is becoming a pivotal player in addressing the pressing need for living wages. For the second part of the episode, I have the pleasure to welcome Priya from Unilever, a multinational consumer goods company, and Phyllis from Clarion's, a global specialty chemical partner to its customers and their industries. Thank you very much both for being here. Priya, Unilever announced in 2021 a set of commitments to help build a more equitable and inclusive society. One of these actions include that the company also ensures that everybody who directly provides goods and services to Unilever earns at least a living wage or income by 2030. Can you tell us a little bit more about Unilever's living wage promise and its goals? Absolutely. Thanks, Camilla, and hi, everyone. Unilever's vision is that one day workers across our value chain earn a living wage. However, we realized very early that collaboration across the board with suppliers, with peers, with governments and non-government organizations is the only way we can make progress on such a vision. Living Wage Partner Promise is a tool for collaboration with our key strategic partners on this agenda. When a partner signs the promise, they are confirming their alignment to start their own living wage journey, which basically consists of three steps. Identifying living wage levels for the locations in which they operate, assess living wage gaps, and work towards closing them. As values-led organizations, both Clarion and Unilever share a very strong partnership over the years. Clarion signing the living wage promise has further strengthened this partnership. And this enables our collaboration on living wage by sharing learnings and resources from Unilever, working closely together to solve problems, common challenges on living wage, and influencing and inspiring others to join us. I'm really looking forward to have both our organizations jointly realize our living wage vision. You mentioned the relationship with Clarence, but Unilever has a huge ecosystem of nearly 55,000 suppliers across the world with diverse raw materials ranging from agricultural commodities to chemicals or essential oils. So how does Unilever collaborate with suppliers and other stakeholders to implement and monitor the payment of living wages? Indeed, it's a super complex challenge when you consider the 52,000 direct suppliers as of our last annual report um, across not just raw materials, but also packaging materials and, uh, and services that we buy. Um, we are, in order to reach all of them and to ensure uh, implementation, we are using a prioritization approach and we are prioritizing across three dimensions. The first is, of course, our strategic partners and uh, very much like Clarion, our long-term partners, many of our long-term partners are leading organizations in their industries. By collaborating with these uh, organizations through our promise, we are hoping that others will follow in their footsteps. The second prioritization is through operations closer to our own. And these are specific 
uh, operations such as our contingent labor, which are which is a third party workers operating on our manufacturing lines, our collaborative manufacturing suppliers and others. We are working much more closely and transparently with these suppliers to address the gaps and very importantly, find mitigation strategies uh, to not make it a burden on either either parties. Lastly, we are prioritizing my markets. We have very special focus on some key markets such as India, Indonesia and others where Unilever sources a huge uh, amount of our spend and the gap between minimum and living wage are high. These markets are indeed leading others in uh, in the Unilever universe in creating their plans and working with our suppliers to address the gaps. Finis, thank you for joining the conversation. So Clarion recently joined Unilever's living wage promise, and as part of this commitment, the company is pledging to pay at least a living wage to every worker in its own operations and to address any gaps. What actually motivated Clarion to do so? Thank you, Camilla, and hello, Priya, and everybody else. While this initiative is closely linked to our purpose and strategy, creating chemistry between people and planet, we are actually aligning our goals with those of our customers, in this case Unilever, but also L'Oreal. By joining these pledges to pay living wages, we strengthen our sustainability footprint and efforts. It is our priority to ensure that our employees can afford a decent living, which drives engagement and productivity and supports the retention of our employees. It is especially important to mention that the living wage exceeds the legally required minimum wage, just as Priya mentioned, which does not often provide a decent living. Finally, we believe it's the employer's responsibility to pay such wages and to show that we care about our employees and our communities. And what are the initiatives Clarion has taken so far? So far, as part of this commitment, we are working in partnership with Fair Wage Network. This is a well-recognized NGO in this field. They have a defined methodology, questionnaires, and a large database of wage and demographic information for many locations around the world, as you must have heard from Daniel. Can you outline any future plans Clarion has set to further advance the payments of living wages? Well, we have started the assessment with pilot countries. And so once this pilot is completed, we will expand the scope of our assessment. And if improvements need to be made, we will take action to address these. We want to ensure that our real people at Clarion receive the wages they deserve. Together, we can improve the lives of our workers and employees and invite our industry partners to join us on this journey. So coming back to you, Priya, Phyllis has discussed Clarion's ongoing initiatives, but could you maybe share from a customer perspective a specific example or story on how Unilever has improved wages for workers in your own supply chain? Indeed, first I would like to congratulate and uh, thank Clarion for, um, for, for taking all the initiatives that they are taking. I think it's, uh, it's definitely already a success worth celebrating um, that they have started their journey on living wage. In terms of specific stories, I have two to point out. The most recent one coming from our contingent workforce in Africa. And these are, again, the third-party workers which operate on our manufacturing sites. We still had some gaps in some markets where we have seen wage growth fall behind inflation trends. And I'm very pleased to share with you that we have now closed these everywhere. Another example is from Indonesia, where we have four dedicated third-party sites which produce our finished products. As of 2022, all four of them confirmed that they are now paying a living wage to all their workers. The reason this is significant is that working jointly with Unilever teams, these supplier sites were able to fully offset any increase in operating costs through efficiencies and productivity improvements. 
I'm super proud and have seen many such examples over the years that we have been working on this agenda. This is a huge milestone. Thanks so much for sharing these. So to conclude this discussion, and maybe it's a question addressed to you both, what advice would you give other companies considering joining the living wage promise or initiating in a living wage journey? Yes, our advice is definitely don't be afraid of this journey and just start it. Yes, we need all of you to start a movement against poverty wages. So don't hesitate and sign the living wage promise. Thank you for shedding light on the role of the private sector and the importance of collaboration between companies to ensure living wages across the supply chain. Thank you for listening to this episode on living wages. We will be back soon with another deep dive on the sustainability shift of the chemical industry.